Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, one and all, to another edition of After Hours. Been a while. So, since we've taken this much time off, felt coming back, we have to bring you a legend. And this is a man that that may be an understatement, uh, a face you know, a name you know, whether it's TV, film, written word. New book out, a memoir of all things, which I can't wait to get into. To the Temple of Tranquility and Step On It. The one and only Ed Bagley Jr. is our guest today on After Hours. Good morning, good afternoon, Mr. Ed Bagley Jr. How you doing, sir? Great, Luby. Thanks for having me on, buddy. Uh, big fan of yours, uh, not only with what you do on the screen, but what you are trying to do with our planet, as tough as it is from all sides. Uh, first, I do want to uh, get into uh, your memoir before we get into some of your great uh, film work and uh, television work. And um, To the Temple of Tranquility and Step On. It is a memoir. You've lived a life. Your father, a legendary uh, Hollywood figure. You yourself, a, a man who's been through a lot when it comes to the screen and off of it. Uh, what got you to do this memoir? What made you want to go and put your life into written word? My daughter, who is then 22 years old, she's 24 now, was the catalyst for it. it. began innocently enough. She had her smartphone in hand. She said, Dad, let's record, let's archive some of those stories for your family, for me and my brother and sister and for your grandkids. Let's just get some of it recorded so I can transcribe it and make up a nice little book for everybody about different stories about your grandparents coming over in a boat and your dad in the early entertainment industry. And I started to do that, but then I also went, I've got to, my daughter's not available today. I've got to write this stuff down that's coming back to me, a flood of memories. And I started typing it up and pretty soon I had 45 pages and they weren't so much notes as they were actual chapters to a book. And then it just, in three months, I wrote about 80% of the book. It just kept pouring out. And I figured, I better get this down before I forget it all. I'm of an age now. I can start forgetting these stories. So I wrote it all in just really six months total. And it was a joy every moment of it. I didn't care whatever happened to it. I just wanted to get it recorded. Uh, Better Call Saul, look, the Mighty Wind. Uh, it goes on and on and on, your filmography. It's... Uh, you're one of the fixtures in Hollywood, and I've always been a big fan of that. But I'm, as a man who actually realizes all of our political issues really don't matter if we don't fix the planet, uh, I actually am as big a fan of your environmental activism. What got you to be, because it's not, you're just not someone who throws money at it or does a commercial uh, for Feed the Children uh, or go and save the trees. You're highly involved. You've written books about it. What has gotten you so involved in trying to save this planet that we see falling in front of our face? It was living in L.A. my whole young life. Uh, At that point, when they had the first Earth Day in 1970, at that point I'd lived two decades in L.A., 20 years in that horrible choking smog. You couldn't run 10 yards as a young man without your lungs hurting. It just seared your lungs. So I went, what are you going to do? Clean up the air and clean up the water? Sign me up. I know the air is dirty. I breathe it every day. I know the water is bad because I went down to the ocean, the Pacific, and saw the Santa Barbara oil spill. I didn't go there, but I heard about the Cuyahoga River catching fire outside Cleveland. I went, I think that's a bad sign when rivers catch fire. <laughs> They're not supposed to catch fire. They're supposed to put out fires. Yep. So I got involved. And here's the good news. Even though it's been many years since 1970, that first Earth Day, 
and we have four times the cars and millions more people. We have a fraction of the smog. We've proven that we can clean it up, and we can do things on a global scale if we just set our minds to it. Well, and talking about uh, setting our minds to things, um, uh, to the Temple of Tranquility and step on it, uh, you, you, it's, it's about your life, and some of the stories are utterly just unfathomable, the things you've gone through. As a guy, it, it feels like you're just just a, the average Joe, the way you present yourself and the way you fight uh, for the world and fight for each one of us, but you've lived a pretty remarkable life. Uh, what are some of the things in the book, you don't want to give it all away, I get that, but some of the stories that I just love that you were just telling so many stories, your daughter's like, Dad, if you're going to tell these stories, you might as well put it in a book. Like, What's some sto- one story you'd like to share with our audience? Well, the second chapter is very important to me. It's called Watts Line, and it's about discovering Alan Watts. He was a very smart smart man, a philosopher, a thinker, and the title of that chapter in the, a book that he wrote is called This Is It, and that really sums it up right there, the whole philosophy. This is it. This moment right now with you is all there really is. We certainly remember the past and we plan for the future, but you don't want to spend too much time doing that, just living in the past and the future. You forget to be in right now, this moment, right now, as it's happening with you, Luby, where everything is perfect if you allow it to be, where things are sublime. And if things are not sublime, you know, make them right. Try to do what's before you. And uh, it's been very helpful to me, that man, Alan Watts, and that way of thinking. And, uh, and I recommend it to everybody, some form of meditation, will help help you in every part of your life and just give it a, a try today start with your breathing and just concentrate on your breath and you'll find some measure of serenity and then you want more and more uh something that's been going on looking for serenity is hollywood in general as the writers thank goodness just uh, from what it seems like settled their strike and won the actors are still striking but it feels like we're getting to the point where uh the execs will will realize that it is time to, for changes across the board you've been in hollywood your whole life you literally grew up with your father grew up yourself being on the mary hartman show all the way to the point where uh you were in uh Better Call Saul, and you have a bunch of things in the works now. How has Hollywood changed in your time? And what, what is it like working in, working in the film-slash-television industry compared to years ago? Well, I was born at Hollywood Presbyterian Hospital in 1949. Wow. I actually got to meet one of the Keystone Cops <laughs> from the silent era of Hollywood. So I've known people from the silent films to today when Sean Baker did a movie and a wonderful movie and a beautiful looking movie on his iPhone. He wrote and directed and photographed the movie on his iPhone. So that's where it's at. The cameras used to be big, as big as, you know, a small vehicle nearly. You know, these cameras were huge, the old Technicolor cameras, and they got smaller. They were the size of, I suppose, a copier machine or something like that, and a big one. Then they got small to the point where we have little digital cameras that shoot shows. And we have people filming them on their phone. So that changed. The lighting changed. It used to be super hot lighting that you had these giant 10K lights that would, you know, put out hundreds of foot candles. And, but you needed it to get what they call an F4 in a lens, you know, the right aperture opening. You needed that much light. That got smaller. And the movies, the way they wrote movies, the kind of stories uh, that they did change. There's a great book about it called Easy Riders and Raging Bulls about that change and the studios were slow to keep up with it but you know companies like bbs and other smaller companies 
did five easy pieces, an easy rider, and films like that, and important movies like Hearts and Minds. It's just, uh, it's been an incredible change that we've all seen, people of my age in Hollywood, and I think for the better. Well, that, that's funny, because I, I, it's interesting you say that, because I have a buddy of mine years ago, he's a writer, producer, and he had something go on to Netflix, and this is in the beginning of Netflix, and I almost felt bad for him, and he laughed at me. He's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, this is great. He's like, as an artist, there's more avenues now, and, and then we saw it explode, yeah. where everyone has a streamer, and you still have the TVs, and you still have movie screens, but there's just so many different avenues for people, to the point where a lot of people in the industry say, look, you can just write for yourself and get it out there in YouTube and on TikTok and to the point where it's actually a positive and it's, it's opened a lot more doors than maybe back in the day when you had to get found and cross your fingers and hope that someone else could find you. There's lots of opportunities for artists now to create songwriters, you know, movie directors, uh, filmmakers, actors, and uh, that's the good news with it. There's challenges with yeah. social media and what have you that we, need to address, but there is a lot of good that comes with it, and I, I certainly recognize that. When I was a kid, people, writers like Patty Chastain, directors like Sidney Lumet, and actors like my father, and the cast of 12 Angry Men, you know, back then they did that first as a TV show. That was considered the golden age of television. Yep. Now, I really think that we're in the platinum age of television. By that, I mean people like Vince Gilligan yep. doing shows like Breaking Bad, and Peter Gould doing, you know, Better Call Saul with Vince, and all these wonderful shows that are available today, Handmaid's Tale and uh, The Bear, and just, yep. it really is the platinum age of television, and, and uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Well, to the Temple of Tranquility and Stepanet, a man who's uh, fighting for our, our planet each and every day, and uh, a creator, an artist, uh, I'm a huge fan of yours, and appreciate everything you do for all of us, and uh, hopefully I get to talk to you again soon, and great luck with the book. Thank you so much, Luby. The one and only Ed Bagley Jr. I will say, being in this industry, it is really cool to get connected with people that you see up on the screen. Uh, and uh, look, a lot of the times, uh, meeting heroes can go the wrong way. I, I will say, uh, maybe just how we present ourselves or how we're in this industry. I've met a lot of people I've looked up to in my life, talk, even if I haven't met them face to face, but spoken with them, and they for my, for me, have not let me down. Ed is, seems to be as nice and genuine person as there is. Yes, it's a, a set up phone call, but believe me, we've had them. They don't always go as smooth and as fun as that went. Again, to the Temple of Tranquility and step on it, Ed Bagley Jr. You, believe me, you know the face, and he's one of those, you know the name as well. They're synonymous. Better Call Saul, he was great in that. Uh, a Mighty Wind, more of a comical thing, he was great in that. Movies, television, been in so many things, author, uh, memoir out now, and activist, a, a great dude, and I really appreciate his time. Yes, there's a lot going on in the sports world. We haven't really come to you in a while, but I did want to bring that conversation. Our Miami Dolphins look great, then look bad. I think they are one of the better teams in the football. To me, the top five is the Niners. I'll give the Eagles, even though they've actually struggled in every game, they're still undefeated. I would probably put the Chiefs uh, there at number three just because I'm. You're always. it feels like they're just screwing around a lot of the time in the regular season now, but they're still, to me, the class of the AFC. The Bills, everyone wanted to write them off, but you know what? They just pasted the Dolphins, so I would put them at four. And then i put the Dolphins there at five. The Cowboys, yes, the Cowboys look strong against the Patriots in a way the Dolphins didn't finish against the Patriots, but then they lost to a Cardinals team that many of us thought was tanking. So I put them around there. Uh, very, very, very lots left to be decided in the NFL and super 
Stoked about that. Yes, my Knowles are a top five team in college football. No one's really stood out. Georgia's struggled, actually, the last two weeks, getting down to both South Carolina and Auburn, two teams they should have waxed. They not only got down, but almost lost to both of them, found a way to win, so they're still number one. But they haven't been impressive yet. Alabama already has a loss on their ledger. Talk about Ohio State struggled early. They did beat Notre Dame, but were really not impressive in that victory. Uh, Michigan hasn't played anyone. Hasn't barely played FBS teams, let alone. And whoever they played, they haven't looked dominant. And Florida State had a, a great show against LSU, but then struggled against Boston College and uh, sort of limped away against Clemson. Now, look, Clemson's not a juggernaut anymore, but it was at Clemson. They did get a, a victory in overtime. They're sitting that there. That's your top five. So the college football world, no one. Uh, Washington has actually been really strong, but then they struggled this last week, and they played no one really of major consequence. USC, Colorado's been the story, but to me, I think that's overblown. I don't think they're a good team. Yeah, they came back versus USC. Well, USC's defense sucks. I mean, that, that was an abomination, what we've seen out of USC's defense. I think Colorado will struggle in the Pac-12. It is, to me, not, not to me, to me, it is the best conference. To me, whoever the hell, if anyone's looking at it, I think they have, they have four teams, or they had four teams in the top 10. They still have three. Utah's without their starting quarterback, and that's the only reason they took a tough loss uh, this weekend. So I tell you, the Pac-12 is the best conference. Colorado is not there. Look, they are improved under Dion, 100%. But they're not a top 25 team. They're not, not. Nah. And the Pac-12 is going to show that. Each and every week, they're going to face one of the best quarterbacks in the country, in their own conference. So good luck to that. Major League Baseball, the playoffs start today as we're recording this. Our Marlins did get in. I don't see them doing much in the playoffs. But it is cool for the fourth time in 30 years to see them in the playoffs I don't watch baseball like I used to, but it is cool to have postseason action going on. So we will we will be back here. I have a lot more scheduled. We'll do more. We just have a lot going on. You can check us out each and every morning on South Florida Live. Uh, check us out YouTube or Facebook, The Defoe Show with Luby. Uh, eight. We're now eight to about 945. You can check us out on No Filter. Nofilter.net doing some things there. Uh, the morning briefing on nofilter.net. We're still on Five Reasons Sports down here in South Florida. The Defoe Show with Luby. And here, when we do our more national, our more fun, both sports and out-of-sports conversations. Again, thank you to Ed Bagley Jr. After Hours with Defoe and Luby here on the Believe Network. Like Defoe likes to say, whether you're the Dolphins beating the uh, pounding the Broncos or getting pounded by the Bills, no matter what, in life, in sports, you got to believe. Hey folks, Tony Segreto here. Let me ask you a question. What do you look for when you go out to eat? Good food, obviously. Friendly atmosphere, not too loud, but good energy, reasonable prices, and a place where you feel comfortable. All those ingredients, <laughs> no pun meant there, are hard to find unless you're talking about the Texas Roadhouse. You see, they encompass all of those attributes. Really, really good food. Amazing atmosphere. Good for a family, good for a date, or just a night out for yourself, and prices that will make you extremely happy. Their ribs unmatched. Steaks, hand cut every day. Everything, and I mean everything, is made on site, including their incredible bread. It's the one day, folks, that you can forget about low-carb diets. Trust me when I tell you, Texas Roadhouse, your restaurant, your destination, when you say, where should we go and eat tonight? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.